Hey everyone, it's Aaliyah Henry, and you're listening to The Aaliyah Henry Show. Expect to hear insightful interviews and panel discussions covering community, entrepreneurship, health, and women's empowerment. Don't miss out. Keep listening. The Aaliyah Henry Show is up next. What do you do when you find yourself spending too many days crying in your office and disliking your career? Well, if you're Katie Langford, you do something about it. But before becoming an executive coach, TEDx speaker, and maker of dreams, Katie had to first become her own fire starter. As the owner of Katie Langford and Associates, she serves women who are exactly where she once was, unhappy, wanting more, more freedom, more balance, and more potential. She helps her clients identify what they want and provides them with the tools to build their confidence so they can go out and get it. In this episode, join Katie and I as we discuss entrepreneurship, how she goes about igniting the lives of professional women as an executive coach. Stay tuned for the Aaliyah Henry Show. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the Aaliyah Henry Show. Thanks, Aaliyah. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know what? It has been such a pleasure to get to know you over the years. Obviously, in in our last assignments and roles. Yes. And um, just to see you doing all the amazing things that you're doing. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to share with our audience just the amazing things that you're doing. Well, thank you. Uh, The feeling is so super mutual. (laughs) It's not even funny. So thank you. I'm excited to be here today. No, this is great. So, you know, it's interesting. We have been discussing entrepreneurship and, of course, you are an entrepreneur and have started your own firm. Yes. Katie Langford and Associates. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what really is igniting your fire to have started this sure. company. Well, I will tell you that if you would have said to me one day you would be an entrepreneur, Katie, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> Uh, I remember when my husband left his corporate career to start his business and I told him he was crazy, but he was my boyfriend at the time. So I didn't really have much of a say. So I suppose, Sure. but yes, I found myself at a crossroads in my career. I had done something that I loved, but I kind of fell out of love with it and I got burnt out. And so I decided that I wanted to go and pursue something on my own. And so that is when I started Katie Langford and Associates, which is my executive coaching and consulting practice. And now I have the opportunity to work with amazing women executives and entrepreneurs and helping them build the careers, the professional lives and the personal lives of their dreams. You know, it's interesting when you talk about being in that space where you're just not happy. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you go about figuring out what that next step is? Because sure. you know it's it's challenging for some 
as they may be unhappy in a role, but maybe are they unhappy in the role just because they, you know, they don't wake up and they're not like feeling the fire anymore. Or is it just that they really do want another opportunity for something else? That is a great question. And I will say for me, it was one of those things, Aaliyah, where I had to really listen to my gut and my intuition. And I had been feeling that, um, just dislike that, that I had those Sunday night stomach aches for months and months and months. And I really took a step back to evaluate what was happening in my career. And mind you, I had just landed my dream job. I mean, this was the dream job that I'd been working towards since I graduated from college. And so part of it was sitting in my corner office and I kept hearing myself say over and over, is this really your dream job? Mm-hmm. I was still using my talents and my skill sets, but I found that the work was not exciting to me. Okay. And it really felt so much like work. And yet at the same time, when I work with my coaching clients, some of them, we are trying to get them clear on, is it the wrong role? Is it the wrong industry? Is it maybe just the wrong boss? Or is it go further and is it just one of those things where you need to have a conversation with your boss to say, you know, I'd really like to do X, Y, and Z, and I'd like to raise my hand for that. Can we talk about where I want to get? So I would say the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to silence all of the external noise, which we know in this day and age, there is so much external noise. And we've talked about this what content we actually consume. And I think that for women, there's a lot of should, right? You should do this. You should take this job. You should be happy you're making this amount of money. You should be proud to work for this firm or that organization. And I think that by closing in and getting yourself connected to yourself, um, is the number one best way. And so I recommend for my, uh, in my work with my clients is you got to do that with pen and paper. It's about journaling. It's about gratitude lists. It's about really being able to be vulnerable with yourself. And then once you can be vulnerable with yourself, you can decide, is there something else that I need to do? And you know, then, then that all falls into, do you have the belief and confidence that you can go get it? But if you're not really in tune with with what you want and knowing that it's okay to want something, even if you thought it was perfect, you know, a year or 10 years ago, we're we're ever expanding human beings. And you and I have both been in jobs where we loved it. Yeah, for sure. And then we grew Mm -hmm. and the love wasn't there anymore. And that's okay, right? What's the next iteration for ourselves then? And I think it's interesting because sometimes we know that it's not there, yeah. but it's just, it's the fear. It's the fear sure. that you say, oh my gosh, there's just, I can't do anything yep. different. This is what I have to do. Yep. And removing that fear, I think also is critical Yes. to the move and to that whole process of evolving yes. to that next step. Absolutely. And for me, the really the scariest part of 
not only just listening to myself, but it was listening to my body. Okay. I went to the dentist and my dental hygienist who I'd known for years took my blood pressure and I was always super normal. And after she took my blood pressure, she said, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She told me that I was in the danger zone and she was very worried and thought that I, I needed to go see my doctor. And what I realized was the stress that I was feeling about making this decision, um, whether to leave or not leave, was manifesting in my body in really negative health ways. And so I had to listen. Um, it wasn't easy though. You're right, it is scary. And, and for me, you know, I graduated from college on Saturday my first job started on Monday. I'd been promoted multiple times throughout my career, switched jobs um, into bigger jobs, bigger jobs. And I, I was that person that would tell you, you never leave a job without something lined up. You, n you never rely on a man to help pay your bills. Even though my husband and I had been married at this point for 10 years, I still was very fearful about giving up my independence because yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people know, they know that they're going to make a shift. They know exactly what they're going to go into. I did not have that clarity. And uh, I was working with a coach at the time, but really, as far as we were concerned, the clarity was just get to the place to, to leave the job. Interesting. You talked a little bit about your health um, with the high blood pressure. And, you know, it's interesting. I experienced the same thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, it landed me in the hospital. And I remember being in the hospital and them saying, you know, you have a young son. At that time, my son was, I think he was eight. Okay. Because this was about, yeah, three years. Okay. So eight. And this doctor comes in, 29 years old, and he's looking at me. He's like, you're healthy. He goes, you're not overweight, all this. He's like, um, you gotta make a change. Yeah. And he says, I've seen people walk out of the door, walk out of the hospital door. They don't wanna make the change. And we either see them back in, yeah. another, in another state. He was like, but what you've got, this hypertension, stress, it is treatable. Yeah. You manage it. And I walked out of that door or whenever I can't even remember what day it was I was in there for about three days oh my gosh and um but the hardest part for me is not being able to go home yeah and so I knew like okay gotta figure this out right and and like you said you've got to be able to make those subtle changes so that you can make a difference now obviously when you know I exited was a few years later sure but I immediately made changes on that next Monday when I got back absolutely to work because I already knew like the 70 hour work weeks done no <laughs> you know not physically impossible yeah for a sustainable period of time it's not it's not and I really realized like all the stuff that was happening just really wasn't manifesting well so same thought that you had I wholeheartedly agree with really trying to manage your health yeah because that's that's one of the key signs that I think a lot oh. of us miss oh absolutely and I honestly think that if I hadn't gone to the dentist that week I would yeah. never have realized it oh probably not because you felt because, normal right? right well I knew something was going on with how I felt but again it just felt like stress 
Sure. Right. And sure. and we've all been through stressful periods of time. And you know, back in when we were both in fundraising, I mean, there are mm-hmm. times where you're leading up to something and it is stressful. Yeah. And so you just kind of say, oh, it's for this amount of time, and it'll pass when <laughs> it'll be that over happens. Soon. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's that adrenaline and stress. And this was not adrenaline and stress. This okay. was, um, mm-hmm. you know, my body really saying, you you, you can't. You, I, we're going to break down mm-hmm. if you don't stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you Thank really you. just took that intuition and said, hey, trust your gut. I got to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way, too. I, that's like one of the best decisions I think that I've made is really just to be listening to my gut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. And, and our ego <laughs> tells us. You know, don't do it. It's too scary. But I also believe that when you do take that first step in faith, you know, the resources appear, the people you're supposed mm-hmm. to meet appear, and all of those things. Like, you might not see how the path's going to unfold, yeah. but but you do have to just listen to your gut. You do. Yeah. So I was really excited when I got an email from you, and it said, I'm doing a TEDx talk. Yes. And I was like, what? I mean, I will tell you, that's like one short of amazing. (laughs) I have always, I watch a lot of TEDx talks, um, and I've always admired the people that have taken the time, have got that courage to talk about the thing that just ignites them. And you spoke a little bit on you spoke on confidence yes talk a little bit about that experience and how that was for you sure so I think that one of the things when you're an entrepreneur that you've got to do and you and I uh, you've done a brilliant job with this is surrounding yourself with great people who also encourage you to do things and Thank so you. when TEDx SMU women was approaching my communication strategist that I work with said, I think you need to apply for this. And I said, what would I talk about? Mind you, I had just started a podcast called Confidence with Katie. Yep, I, I was to that. I was talking about confidence all the time. I was talking about it with my clients all the time. And listen, well, you could talk about confidence. And I thought, well, that, okay. I, I mean, maybe I could do that. But it was her saying like, come on, girlfriend, do this. And so again, put myself out there, went through the process and, um, and got myself on that TEDx stage, which was incredible and frightening all at the same time. You looked incredible. Thank Your you. Your speech was amazing. Thank you. And I just marvel because, and I, I've known you for a while, but when you see someone evolve, as an individual, obviously, then as a woman, and now this newfound entrepreneur, and I'm like, she is standing on the stage, just rocking it out, you know? And, you know, certainly, I don't know if people really understand it, but there is a lot of preparation to prepare to do a TEDx speech. Yes. You know, certainly, um, speaking as we are, you know, side by side, that could be considered easy to do it's not it's not I think always people no. think about that either it's not but easy to interview somebody yes, and you know that <laughs> exactly 
But then also, too, to be on that stage where you've got to memorize your speech. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how did sure. you prepare to do sure. that? Sure. So when you, when you get selected for a TEDx talk, they give you between 6 and 18 minutes. That's typically what they want you to do. And so as I was thinking through this confidence idea, one of the things that was happening in my coaching practice was every conversation I was having, and I actually tracked this for a year with all my initial calls, and I probably did about, I don't know, 90 to 100 of these calls in a year span. Every time I would get to the question of, what's stopping you from doing the thing you just told me you wanted to do? Okay. People said they lacked confidence. Okay. Now, it did not matter how much money this person made, what their background was, what part of the country they were in. I had clients from coast to coast. I was still coaching men, so I had male clients saying this to me as well. Didn't matter you know, where they got their MBA or whether they went to college or not, this idea of confidence. And so I just kept latching onto it because as you know, in being an entrepreneur, you're constantly putting yourself out there, doing something that scares you. And what's crazy about confidence is we think I will, I will become confident and then I will go do the hard thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's what people in people's minds. Yeah. And in fact, you do the hard thing and you become confident. So as I was putting together this whole message, I really wanted to talk about how confidence is a muscle. It's something that we build. Just like when we stop working out, our muscles atrophy. When we stop putting ourselves in positions of confidence where we can grow our confidence, we start to lose confidence. And sometimes we also forget where the confidence came from. So I kind of already had an idea of what we wanted to talk about, but when you are going to get on a TEDx stage, and I knew that I was probably going to push 18 minutes because I felt like I had a lot to say, um, you have to be on your A game. And I have done you know, keynote speeches and all kinds of speaking engagements, presentations over the last two decades in my career. It's always funny to me when people say, I don't want to over-prepare. Well, mm -hmm. the best speakers are the ones who over-prepared. So I once heard for every minute of dialogue in a speech, you need to practice for at least an hour. Okay. So okay. Um, just to kind of keep nailing it. And I spent a lot of time putting together the speech, editing it, keep drafting it, you know, keep honing it. What stories did I want to tell? But I worked on that thing for at least eight hours a day for a good 10 days leading up to it. Okay. And I recorded myself, uh, you know, just with just my, uh, just voice. I recorded myself on my video, on my phone. I w did it in front of people. I, you know, just anything that I could do to get prepared with that because I figured, you know, if I, if I knew it and if I could get up and just say the first two lines, then I could, then I could do the rest. So yeah, it's all about it's so much preparation. Well, I will tell you, you definitely nailed it. Thank you. Um, and certainly, um, I encourage anyone who's just out there looking for inspiration. That's certainly any of the TEDx talks. Yes. 
gives you inspiration beyond words because it's it's just incredible. And then to actually know someone who has put it on really for me, I thought that oh I was like like cheering you on on the sidelines, like, oh my God, that's my friend. I will so, say it's been really exciting to add yeah. it to my resume and my bio. Sure. Because people do people do take you seriously yeah. and think, oh, that's a big deal. It is. It's a big so, deal. Congratulations. Thank for you. That. So you have been on this journey for a few years. Yes. What are some entrepreneurship lessons that you would share with someone that possibly is looking into going into executive coaching? Sure. So I think the first thing always is this can be a very lonely journey. When you decide to put yourself out there, when you decide to create a brand, you, you're the decision maker. And so I think that the first thing you've got to do is you've got to surround yourself with amazing people. And I think that looks like, who do you hire? Who do you contract with? Who do you consult with? But also you've got to find friends like you. I mean, you and I have sat in coffee shops and talked about this journey and what it takes because it's it's a lot of work. And so I think the first thing is you got to find really great people to surround yourself with. And oftentimes that doesn't mean a lot of people. Yeah. You got to keep those circles small too. You do. Because yeah. lots of people have doubt and fear in their own life. And they will project it on you because they could never do what you're doing. And it's not to say that anything's bad or wrong with them. It's just that their noise in their head and what they project to you isn't noise you necessarily need to hear. So I would say first do that. I would say second thing you've got to realize about executive coaching is that you're constantly going to find a pipeline and fill your pipeline with, uh, with people that you want to coach. And so if, uh, networking, if pitching yourself, if getting up on a stage to do a, a, a talk or do a, a speech is something that scares you, you might be able to be great one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, clients don't magically show up. Yeah. So that's, that's the second thing. And then the third thing is that I would say is you've just got to get really, really comfortable with being scared. And you, this summer I went through several pivots in my business. I thought I was going to go do all this online stuff and then that didn't work. And then I pivoted again and, and, and there's a lot of self doubt that I faced and, and, you know, days crying. There were days I didn't want to get out of bed because I thought maybe I can't do this. You know, one day, which is the exact opposite of what I tell my clients, but one day I sat down in front of indeed.com and just searched vice president. <laughs> My husband said, what, vice president of what? I said, I don't know, but but my last title said chief and officer in it, so I figured I wouldn't go below vice president. So you just gotta be really comfortable yeah. being scared, being nervous, being excited and anxious, and you gotta do it anyway. Yeah. And um, so I think those are the three things that I would tell somebody who- Those are great resources because again, I. I don't think, you know, I always laugh. I say, you know, entrepreneurship is not for the week. It is not. It just is not. No. Yeah, it isn't. It's well, definitely a journey. And Shane has had his business for 17 years now. Again, he made that switch. We were dating 
But I thought, I'm married to an entrepreneur. I know what it's like to run a business. And in fact, and I think I shared this with you um, when we last saw each other, back earlier this summer, I Shane came home one night after work and, and I just looked at him and I said, I'm so sorry. Remember that time that I used to yell at you and give you advice about how to do it this way? I said, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, so it, even if you have somebody that's close to you, when it's your own skin in the game, when it's your rubber hitting the road, um, it's a whole different ball game for sure. Yeah. So since you brought up Shane, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, he's one of your biggest supporters. I, yeah. I love watching you guys together. Um, talk a little bit about your regimen for spending time together because now you're both entrepreneurs, yeah. both putting the, the pedal to the metal. Um, and he's done, he's very success, successful with his business and, yeah. and built his team. Talk a little bit about how you guys kind of pull this together to still connect just the two of you. Yeah. So we are, um, I don't know if you'd say fortunate, so it depends on what your view, but we are in this space where we don't have children yet. So we do get to spend a lot of time with each other. However, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, Shane never took vacations, ever. <laughs> Our fifth anniversary, he comes to me and he says, Katie, I want to invest in some real estate. And I said, okay, we can do that, but you have to take me on a cruise for our fifth anniversary. <laughs> that's how that started. Uh, and he said, oh, that's it? Okay. But for a long time, he didn't think he could take vacation because like a lot of business owners, he thought, if I'm not there, maybe something will fall apart. If I'm not there, nothing's getting sold. And... Um, and we got to the point, and this was probably still when I was in fundraising, that we were just both working so much. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time when the Texas Rangers started doing really, really well. Yeah. And uh, they you know, were getting into the playoffs in the World Series, and, and we became big baseball fans. Like, I started to realize, oh, there's a lot of strategy to baseball. So Shane actually got us season tickets one year for my birthday, and then we remain season ticket holders. This has been the first year we haven't had them in probably seven or eight years. But we would go to those games, especially the Sunday afternoon games. Mm -hmm. They were our time. They were protected. We um, would say no to other things so we could go and be with each other and just catch up and talk. And to this day, while we're not going to as many baseball games this season, um, we still make that time. So tomorrow is Shane's birthday, and we're taking part of the day off to spend just the two of us. That's cool. Now, one of the things we got to go do is pick out granite because we're remodeling our bathrooms, <laughs> but it's doing something and making sure that we can do it and, and booking time on each, each other's calendars. Um, that has been something that we've just had to be really diligent about um, and saying we're going to put ourselves first. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that we're about to do, which is kind of scary and crazy and people are, oh, they look at us like we're, we have two heads. We are going to sell our house and move to a high rise that we're going to rent. And it's, you know, the antithesis of the American dream. Like, why would you go rent? And the reason why we're going to do it is because we think that our lifestyle is going to be a little bit easier mm -hmm. for us to focus on our business, 
and then focus on ourselves as our family. Yeah. So it's just making That's decisions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how we tend to look at what that American dream is. What does that look like? Does that look like yeah. married with four kids and the white picket fence? You know, or does that look like entrepreneurship, travel, yeah. kids, school, advanced school, who knows? Yeah. And so it's really exciting to see the different concepts of that American dream now. It is. Whereas before, maybe it just looked like it was just black and white. Yeah. Well, and I, I see that in my coaching. You know, I've mentioned this earlier. So many women think they should do something, right? I should get married. I should have kids. I should raise my hand for the promotion or I should be happy that they they didn't give me a raise, but I should be happy because I still make good money, right? Yeah. And I think that when we can just step back and say, it's not about should, right? Like we get to do this one time. It's not a dress rehearsal. So again, clear out the noise from other people. And people might look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. That's fine. I look at people who have four kids and I'm like, oh my God, how do you do it? Because that seems impossible to me. And then you're like, we just do, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing. How did you quit your job and decide to build a business? Well, mm -hmm. I just did. Yeah. You just did. We just made the decision and we did it. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting. I, I realize how much energy, time, and commitment that we put into the daily job that we were doing anyway. Oh. And when you talked a little bit about writing down those thoughts in your journal when i made the decision to take some my next steps yeah. or what would be my next steps i kept thinking and when i was looking and writing i kept thinking well i'm doing the same thing for the company that i'm at why wouldn't i do that why right. couldn't i do that for myself yeah. now the other thing is is to figure out the how to totally but it wasn't like that process could not be duplicated. Oh, absolutely. So that was one of the things that I always kept in the forefront of my mind, and I still do today. Just remember, you're on the same path. It's a different hustle, right? Totally. It's just a different hustle, but it's not the same. It's it, There's no different from you being at the desk that nine to yeah. five doing that same job with that job description. Yeah, absolutely. You're just creating a new job description. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny people ask me, you know, how can you ask people so many questions? How can you have these very intimate conversations that I have with my coaching clients? I think, and I say to them, well, I was in major gift fundraising. Mm -hmm. I sat down with wealthy people every day and asked them very intimate questions about yes. their money and what they wanted to do with their legacy and their life and how they wanted I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm just doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah. And and the thing that also fascinates me, Ilya, when I have conversations with people about why, especially people who know that they want to go out on their own, but they keep saying they can't, that something's holding them back. And then you, you get to the question and say, you know, tell me, tell me what's holding you back. Why why is this happening? And they say, well, I have security now. And I just think that is the biggest laughable myth that's out there mm -hmm. that if you work for someone else you have security yeah. um, they can let you go any minute for no reason 
And it's just not true that everyone has security. I think I have more security because I have lots of clients who pay me. So if one client goes away, guess what? I still got clients. Um, so I think there's this myth that because you work for someone else, everything in your life is very secure and, and stable. Yeah. yeah, you might get a paycheck, but there's nothing to say that there could be a new boss that walks in next week and says, I'm bringing in my own team yeah. and you've got to go. Yeah. It's, and it happens. It all, happens all every the time. Day, every day. And so, and I agree with you on that. I, I definitely have a different take um, now that I'm an entrepreneur. And, and th you get those days where it gets rough and you're like, oh my goodness, do I really need to, maybe I should just go back to yeah. work. And you're thinking, no, maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, one of the things that I think I've learned is that, and I think I said to myself early on is, oh, I don't think I could, you know, worry about the salary being, you know, fluctuating right. throughout the year. Well, it's almost year end of year two. It's like, okay, well, it's it's working. Yeah. And so it's a different type. I mean, there's so many different things that that change yeah. throughout your journey, um, and you do end up managing. And sometimes you feel like you manage a little bit better than you did on you know, you're nine to fiver. And, you know, doesn't mean that everybody is, is to be an entrepreneur because that's yeah. not for everyone. True. But I know for me, it has worked out probably better than I expected. Yeah. 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 One of the things that Shane and I talk about often is that, that not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. Exactly. But I believe to the bottom of my toes and with everything that I have, that if we are entrepreneurs and someone else comes to work for us and helps us build the business of our dreams, then we had best take care of those people yes. as if they were gold. Yep. Because, um, you know, they really are giving of themselves to help us get our dreams accomplished. And so, you know, if they want to get promoted, if they need flexibility, if they want to work from home different days, right? Like whatever that is for that individual person, we need to find a way to make that happen because they're helping us, you yeah. know? I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. Um, and certainly I think it's important to support. And one of the things that's, that I've done differently is before I always remembered, you know, we always have entrepreneurs. I mean, we have people that work, um, you know, throughout the house or you know, your yeah. yard and all that other stuff. But now as an entrepreneur, I'm more apt to hire even entrepreneurs too, yeah. because now I know the, their, their grind, right? So I'm always looking for the best kept secrets yeah. and really building those relationships so that I've got that go-to, yeah. you know, oh, you need a caterer? Okay, well, I've got my caterer and right. she does really well That's for right. me, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, or whatever it, it is, you know, whether it's dry oh. cleaning or whatever. But oh, I, I definitely know now that I, I really do. I almost seek them out. Like, yes. I want to know, like, oh, are there small business owners that do yes. the same thing? Because I do want to support because I do understand the grind. Oh, I mean, you know, Shane owns a glass and mirror company. And when people, when I find out somebody's gotten a new shower door <laughs> and they didn't use us, I'm like... <laughs> I don't think we can be friends anymore because <laughs> frankly that pays for our mortgage. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's that is our life. And so for you to go and use, you know, 
Home Depot to put up your shower door. Like, I'm sorry, but people, the shareholders of Home Depot don't need more money right now, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm totally with you. How can we, um, you know, not only network with other entrepreneurs, but how can we give them business as well so yeah. that so that we're all succeeding? Yeah, that's great. What advice um, has Shane given you that you've implemented in your business? Oh, that's a good one. And <laughs> um, well, I, <laughs> this is actually really funny and kind of embarrassing. So when I first started coaching, Shane said to me, and um, have you gotten paid? And I said, no, I haven't gotten paid yet. And he said, well, have you invoiced your client? And I said, well, no, she'll just send me a check. <laughs> and he said, honey, have you ever paid a bill that you haven't gotten a, a bill for, an invoice for? And I said, well, no. And I said, but she knows. And he said, no, 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 no. Like, invoice your clients. Yeah. So I would say that from, from what advice I've taken, well, at one, is invoicing that very first client. And she <laughs> did pay me, thank goodness. Uh, and we, we were so close. And, uh, but it, it has been all that back end stuff. So I think he got to make some mistakes in his business and in how things were set up or when he implemented specific systems. And so, you know, from the get go, he was like QuickBooks. So it's yeah. just small things like that from the, the expert, the operations standpoint okay. that is a, not my jam and B not something I think about, but he helped me to really remember. Okay. He, he always said, uh, he said, Katie, you left nonprofit. This is for profit. The goal is to make money. <laughs> to make the money. <laughs> so we have to, uh, you know, make it and count it, yeah. and be aware of how we're spending it as well. So those have been the big things for me. That's him. great. That's yeah. Great. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a okay. little bit, and obviously from you being in the nonprofit space for so long, talk a little bit about philanthropy and what ignites your fire as yeah. it relates to. Um, nonprofit and community issues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I worked in health and human services for almost 15 years and, and got to see a lot of great things. And one of the things that I realize now that I'm out of it is that everyday people who had different jobs than I did weren't always necessarily aware of what was happening in our community here in Dallas, right? They they just didn't necessarily know about what was happening in early childhood education or what's going on with our homeless population or how many kids are graduating from high school, what's going on with DISD, you know, all of those things that I just I just took for granted because sure. I worked at organizations that, that did that. And so when I left fundraising, I will say there was part of me that needed a break from the nonprofit world. Other than Junior League of Dallas, I kind of stepped back because I said, whew, I need a breather. Yeah. Um, Sometimes that happens. Yeah. It, it was just, it, it was more for me. It wasn't that anybody was doing anything. It was just, I just needed a break. And so since then, I've really been able to get um, engaged in some work and starting to have conversations with people about potential board opportunities. Um, a lot of those are around human trafficking and sex trafficking. That's kind of a, a hot topic for, for me that I'm, I'm uh, interested in. I'll never forget when the former CEO of New Friends New Life, Katie Pedigo, said to me, 
you know, the average age of a woman that's trafficked is 13. And that just changed my perspective on, on that particular issue. So I would say those issues are really um, important to me. And then I love the Junior League of Dallas. It's been an incredible you know, opportunity for me to grow in my leadership, to get connected to the community, to volunteer, to teach other people how to volunteer. And it was a safe space for me to take major risks that I didn't have to take in my career. And I think a lot of that helped me to be able to take some of the risks that I take now owning my own business. So those are kind of the, the places. And then I was lucky enough to be on my alma mater, Ursuline's board. Um, okay. I was on the alumni board for three years and then the board of trustees for five. And so that always just has a special place in my heart. But I think that, you know, when people are trying to identify what's important to them, again, it's, you know, what, what is important to you? What do you care about? Um, oh, gosh, I just left off the major, major one that Shane and I support. <laughs> uh, Community Partners of Dallas. Okay. We care about abused and neglected kids, and we do a lot with them. Shane was fortunate enough to um, do a very large, um, partially pro bono project for them in their new office space with awesome. a ton of glass. Um, but we care about kids, yeah. and so we're spending a lot of time and energy and money doing that stuff. That's great. That is so yeah. exciting. So, of course, you know, with doing the business and having your family and doing philanthropic work, now it's time to shift and you think about yourself. Yeah. What things that do you do really just to bring that self-care in for you as an individual, taking that time for yourself? Yeah. yeah. So the number one thing for me that I have learned over the last few years is setting boundaries. I am a people pleaser. I like for people to like me. I like to make quick connections with people and I like to be needed. So when someone calls me and says, Hey Katie, do you want to do this? I'm like, sure I do. Sign me up. And what I found though, is that as I've said yes to so many things in the past, I've either become resentful about it or bitter about it because it's not really what I want to do. Okay. It's not really where I want to spend my time. And so setting boundaries has been a big thing to me. It's, it's getting comfortable. And, and as Oprah says, no, no is a complete sentence, right? Saying no, owning it, being okay with that. And that doesn't just mean volunteer things, right? Sometimes it's, ladies, I love you. I know that we do dinner club once a month, <laughs> but I just can't come this month. Yeah. I, I just can't. Um, and, and not having to have an excuse, like I just can't come. And sometimes what I'm going to be doing is sitting in my yoga pants, watching some general hospital. Yeah. Um, but I think for self care, for me, it is about saying no. And then it's about me also saying, what are the things that fill me up? What are the things that are important to me? And so it's funny because sometimes I say no to my friends, but on the opposite side, I get a lot of energy from my girlfriends yeah. and spending time with smart, articulate, ambitious women. So sometimes I got to put those things on my calendar. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that Shane and I, um, Shane totally respects and knows like sometimes I got to go to girls night because it fills me up. And so, um, so it's just, again, listening, quieting yourself, meditating, you know, being in tune with what, what's your head saying? What's your gut saying? 
what do you need? Uh, that again, just from that wake up call of what is, you know, four years ago, what is your gut saying about where you should be? Yeah, that's good. That's so good. So what is your, um, what is something that you just can't live without? Like, is there one thing that you just can't live without doing? <laughs> well, from a self care perspective, I can't live without reading. Okay. Love reading. I love to read fact, you know, fiction, nonfiction, biographies. I, sometimes it's physical books. Sometimes it's an audio book. So I love reading. Um, but I would say, and this is so cheesy. Um, that's <laughs> Nothing's ever cheesy. Totally okay. <laughs> and this is how I know that life hasn't changed because I'm, I'm best friends with a, a girl named Liz, a woman named Liz, because I said this out loud one time in a group. And she walked over and said, we, we should be friends. Um, but one of the things that relaxes me the most that I love to do is I love to open a bottle of red wine, turn on General Hospital, and start cooking dinner. Cooking, oh. for me, the kitchen has been a place where I can take risks. Yeah. Again, it's a safe space. And, um, and then I just get to catch up on my soap, which... That's cool. I know nobody watches soap operas anymore, but I still do. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So what insight, as we kind of wrap up, what insight would you leave with our audience about confidence and leading their best life? Oh, yeah. So I would say from a confidence perspective, one of the best tools that I created um, and it just happened because I was talking with a, a client about something that she needed and then we kind of came up with this is what I call your confidence resume mm -hmm. and what I encourage people to do is look back in your life what were the times that were hard but you did it anyway what are the times that you were nervous but you did it anyway what are those things that you accomplished that you're so proud of and I'm not talking about winning awards. Like, winning awards are great, right? That's external validation. Sure. But what are the things that you've done that you're like, hell yeah, I did that. Yeah. Um, and it, the thing that I like to teach people is what's on your list doesn't have to be on my list and vice versa. Exactly. Right? Good. So um, one of the things that I have on my list is um, the first time I fired someone. Like, that's scary. And I'm not trying to say I fired somebody and now I'm confident. But, because <laughs> that's kind of a weird statement. But it was something that was really scary to me and nerve-wracking to me. And it was something that also as a leader and as, uh, you know, uh, uh, in senior management, you sometimes have to do that. You have to make those challenging decisions. You know, there's all kinds of things. Starting my business was one. Um, raising my hand for TEDx. One of them was going skiing, snow skiing, for the first time at 29. I hate skiing. I don't ever need to do it again. But when I see the picture of myself skiing, it reminds me that I can do things that feel totally out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And so I love to help people put together their confidence resume. And what I like to say is it takes the confidence that's sitting over there in the corner that's gathering cobwebs, and it brings it back into perspective. So... The next time that we have to do something hard, because we know that it's coming, right? It's around the corner. We can look at this list and we have the social proof and validation 
that we've already built confidence. We've been building it all along. And sometimes we just have to lean on times in our life that, that we, you know, flex that confidence muscle to know you can still keep going and be confident and, and know that you have it in you to do whatever is in front of you. Well, that's awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Aaliyah. And I am excited to continue to watch your journey. Thank you. As you as well. <laughs> People don't know this, but I did. I only started my podcast because you did your show, your old show. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I, I never I, told you this. No. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> because I remember reaching out to you as well and going, hey, what, what? how do you do this? And you said, oh, it's at a station. Yeah, we, yeah, we did yeah. talk about it, but I never even. Oh, I never would have done it. It was because wow. I saw you do it and I was like, okay, I feel like I could do this. Elise doing this. I feel like, yeah. Oh, that, oh you so know what? That makes my heart warm. Yeah. Because you never know. I mean. You don't know who's watching. And that is, I mean, for me, I do things. Because I'm, I'm, I think it's cool. Yeah. But I would hope that it would inspire somebody else to try to. Totally did me. Oh, so well, thank awesome. You. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. Thanks, Aaliyah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. And thank you for watching the Aaliyah Henry Show. Thank you for listening to the Aaliyah Henry Show. Remember... Be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. See you next time.